You're listening to the audio of our live stream of Beacon by the Streampunks. If you like what you're listening to, please help the show out by giving us a rating or sharing it with your friends. You can watch Beacon live Monday nights over on Twitch or watch the VODs over on YouTube. Now, on with the show. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Beacon, our alien actual play. I always want to say live play, but some point in the past couple of years, the language has changed, and now it's actual play. So welcome to our, I don't I don't know, I don't know, but actual play. Welcome to our actual play. Um, I'm joined here with the Streampunks. We're going to jump into our game tonight. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We have just a few announcements uh, right off the bat. Um, but let me just go ahead and let you guys know if you are missing Beacon, if you haven't gotten a chance to catch up with the show from either last season or you missed the premiere of this season, uh, the podcast is up and it is up to date and you can find it pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. Jake will be posting the link in chat. So if you have any questions as to where that's at, but definitely check it out. If you can't watch the show live, you have the opportunity of listening to it in the car when you're going to sleep if you want to have nightmares. All right. Um, other announcement I have is uh, there was a bit of a fundraiser. I'm going to toss that over to Sam here in a second to give details, just to say that at one point during the fundraiser, there were some huge donors, and uh, I've gotten a couple of questions about it. Yes, I am going to run a Doctor Who game. Uh, I am going to return to running Doctor Who. Uh, I don't have any details on that yet because it was just kind of on the fly suggesting to push us past a goal because I knew it might help, and it did. Um, so um, it, I'm not the only one. There was a lot of things that were being tossed out there to get it. Um, I'm just going to Leave it at that, but uh, more details to come. Does anybody have any other announcements before I toss it over to Sam? Anything? Yeah, I just want to jump in real quick to say, Happy Juneteenth, everybody! Happy Juneteenth, it's, indeed. It's, yeah, it's, it's America's real Independence Day. Um, yeah. Uh, you, yes. should, uh, you should use... Uh, you should use this day to like check out black creators and all of your favorite hobbies, whether it be TTRPG, esports, actors... Whatever. Uh, just go show some support. And if you're worried about, like, oh, I don't have dollars to support, uh, I created a thread on my Twitter about different ways that you can support creators that don't involve money. And honestly, some of the best ways that you can help us out really doesn't involve money because advertisers look at metrics. So help mm -hmm. our metrics, and then you will be putting money in uh, your favorite uh, creators' pockets that way. Uh, that's uh all I want to say. I have something to add to that, uh, yep. just as a real quick, because uh, uh, an acquaintance of ours, Silly Gooding, uh, posted something up on Instagram that I wanted to pass on to everybody else. It's called the uh, wertng.org or the uh, the Next Generation Project. Uh, you can find that at wertng.org, like the next generation, tng.org. Uh, your donation to the Next Generation Project is vital to our success. By contributing, you are directly supporting the enfranchisement of the next generation of black and brown, transgender, nonconforming individuals. Thank you for your support. Um, check it out if you have a chance. Just another thing uh, to, to look at. I'm going to uh, pass it over to Sam, because I do believe Sam DeLeve has a thing to say. Can I peek in? I'm so sorry. Yeah. I have a Juneteenth follow-up, which yeah. is actually more like a PSA. Yeah. Uh, because I know not everyone has uh, families or groups of friends that recognize this holiday yet. And, you know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but if anyone asks, like, what's the point of Juneteenth? We have 4th of July. Or if anyone says something like Ju Juneteenth competes with 4th of July, because I did see that type of languaging on Twitter today, not from anyone I know. But if you're confronted with that kind of languaging, uh, a response you could say, for instance, is none of us is free until we're all free. And that's oh. what Juneteenth recognizes, that for two and a half years, 
enslaved people in the U.S. were technically free on paper, but they weren't because they literally no one told them. So that's <laughs> what this 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 is different from Fourth of July. This is this is about African Americans in our history. But as Americans, I think you all should embrace this holiday, not co-opt. That's not what I'm saying. But embrace it and celebrate it as well, because none of us is free unless we're all free. And that's how we need to move forward in this country. Soapbox. I push it aside now. Be, if they're stubborn, just be like, I'm just celebrating the 13th Amendment. Why can't we just be happy about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, pass it over to Sam now. Hi. Yes. Um, I, I did a small thing this weekend. Um, where normally my stream anniversary involves uh, playing video games for a slightly extended period of time, uh, I had a sleepy morning idea, and it resulted in like a bunch of the people right here, and even more, uh, joining me for a double feature uh, heist to Turpaga one-shot day, uh, fundraising for Rainbow Railroad, an organization that helps queer and trans people around the world escape persecution uh and i said i will never learn mm -mm. i'll never learn mm -mm. um apparently <laughs> like 14 and a half times i will never learn because <laughs> this community raised $7,791 not, $7, and 69 cents. Nice. Um, it doubled the total fundraising of the history of my channel to date, uh, for which I credit the fine people who joined me for gaming, um, both of our GMs, in fact, on camera right now. Uh, Yep, yep, smile off really. Thank you. Um, and and all Caitlin who did a ton, like a ton of assets, like all of the visuals, all of the promo graphics except for one which was done by our mods who not only created and facilitated giveaways, uh but also um put us in extremely serious disguises and that you you should really see that socials post if at all you can. Um but the point being uh that donation link is still live and will be live until Tuesday morning. We've got like 15 hours of that thing still being up. So it is still going. So yes. Two things. The higher that goes, the more I'm going to consider doing more Doctor Who episodes. So the higher it goes, uh, I will do a longer and longer season of Doctor Who. And the second thing is, is I, I need to pause right now because uh, I, I, Sam is being incredibly gracious, but I want to point out that Sam produced, technically directed, organized the entire thing, put the whole thing together. All of and it instead, together. And instead, Sam decided to take their stream anniversary and shine a light. And I'm so, oh God, I'm getting emotional. I'm so proud <laughs> of you. And thank you for asking me and Noir to be a part of it. He did this in less than a week, Sam. Less than a week. Less than a week. <laughs> Because I have a community of people who show up. So I turn that right back around on you. So there. Damn. Um, and all the better. 
for a, a bit of light in the darkness, which apparently I will need. Someone told me this week that apparently Aliens a horror series of some kind. It is, yes. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's fine because yeah. I've got good people and I'm excited. Let's begin tonight's episode of Beacon. Welcome back. Let's go ahead and begin tonight's story. This chapter of the crew of Beacon is going to begin 24 hours after the events of the previous chapter. To answer any questions you might have, because I know Elisa in particular, playing Martha, was urgently concerned about this. Yes, your pilot's body was recovered. The whole station is in shock right now. The events that unfolded have left everyone feeling somewhat numb and a little horrified that someone in their midst could do such a thing. It hasn't gotten around who Maitland is just yet. That's been kept to a very close circle, not because of any reason of like shutting people out, but just because People are trying to get a handle on things before they go around telling everyone that a cultist from the Children of the Two Divines made their way onto the station. Everyone's feeling pretty betrayed right now. And the colonists are confused and mortified. Apparently, this Maitland had been in their midst and had been trying to help them get out of a dangerous situation. What's also troubling has been Varela's reaction to everything. She has been hysterical since the whole thing happened. And only in the past few hours, as station time converts over to the morning shifts, has she started engaging once again. But she is almost in a trance, almost catatonic barely uttering a word, barely making eye contact. The only one of you that has been in contact with her very briefly, bringing her station reports as per usual, 
has been Isaac. When you saw her briefly in her quarters, you found her sitting at her desk staring out the window with a cigarette in her hand that had been burned down to practically her fingers. She hadn't tapped it in the tray. You don't know how long she had been sitting there, but she didn't acknowledge you when you dropped the pad off on the desk and informed her that the night shift's reports were in. And you showed yourself out. The Colonial Marines have also been a bit jumpy. Captain Levine has ordered a review of everything that is happening, and the scuttlebutt is, is that the captain has contacted HQ and is reporting in what the events were that took place and has informed all of you that given the circumstances, he is going to try to bring everyone in so that everyone can be informed and know what's going on particularly because the theft happened to Beacon property. Now, the past 24 hours, the station has been trying to put things back together again. And it's only been three hours since each of you said your farewells to O'Donnell. Crew gathered on cargo deck words were said many of the people had the same passing biting friendly brotherly styled remarks to say about o'donnell about what a hot shot he was you guys learn a few things about o'donnell that you didn't know before um he was he's been a freighter pilot most of his life he attempted to enlist during the frontier war. But unfortunately, he didn't make the cut. This is a life that is typical of people living out here on the edges of the galaxy, of known space, I should say. People just trying to get by. And despite how hard life was, everyone who came up to speak had nothing but genuinely kind things to say. The worst part, though, was each person all said the same thing over and over. I wish I had known you better. It sinks in on a lot of folks that Beacon Station has not been active terribly long. And it underscores how close everyone has gotten, despite the fact that many people don't know each other's stories. In many ways, it doesn't matter who you sit down with across the table, who you share your coffee with, who you crack jokes and toss the cornbread at, who you bet on for duty shifts. Not a lot of people ask questions, but when people offer up who they are and where they came from, everyone listens. It's a strange little ecosystem that's developed out here. Perhaps Varela did do a good job in hiring the right people who knew that coming out to this station on the edge of colonial space to help others was going to breed this kind of fellowship. And people have been a little more quiet, a little more reflective today after sending O'Donnell away, bidding him farewell. But there's also an undercurrent of anger on the station. They want to know who to blame. And most of that blame is being 
unfortunately directed at the Colonial Marines. They brought Maitland to the station. And there are a few people on Beacon, on staff, who understand it's not the U.S. CMC's fault. However, it hasn't stopped it from occasionally each of you hearing a biting remark. It's a frustrated, irrational remark. Something about how couldn't they have vetted everybody that came on board? Weren't they in quarantine? Everybody asked, how could they have not known he was a synthetic? That's the big question. How did he get past that? Normally it wouldn't have mattered. The only reason why it would have mattered is that he was lying about it. That would have been a flag. Each of you, as we did last time, starts the day gathering in what is a very subdued cafeteria in the morning. There's a lot of agitation and talk about what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. The colonists are having different conversations. Colonists want to know what's going to happen to them. Their home is gone. Everything they had is gone. You of the colonists have talked about the possibility of returning to where they came from, but that has been shouted down. The desperation is still driving the conversation. All of their things are there. The colony fabs, all there. Their homes, their belongings, their money. They have to go back. And that conversation has gone nowhere. It's a back and forth. And frankly, anybody who wants to know the answer to the question, nobody has it. Even the rest of you aren't entirely sure what happens to these 22 people yet. But Beacon Station can't accommodate. Not until more business moves into the con Concord deck. Once that happens, there's been discussion of a hotel opening here. But how sustainable is that? So uncertainty, frustration, fear, and loss. Beacon has been rattled to its core. The only thing you guys can take comfort in right now is the familiar sounds of thick plastic cutlery scraping against the heavy plastic plates that you are all eating your fabs from. And that is where we begin tonight's chapter, as you all sit together in silence. A noticeably empty chair at the table. kind of amazing how loud the silence can be, can't isn't it? <clears throat> hmm. I never thought I would miss hearing his voice. It's bizarre 24 hours. That's certainly one way to describe it. Are people eating slower? Like the fourth to, fork to mouth rate. Like what is visually distinct? I don't want to mock people. That would be disrespectful, but I am trying to perform solemnity correctly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a question for the group. 
Yeah, I think Martha definitely, you notice a slower consumption. She usually is all about the bug, bug juice, but she's not really touched her bug juice today. Mm. Doc, Doc is not eating or drinking or sleeping. <laughs> Tig ate quickly and efficiently and has just been like, like sat down, ate entirely, like ate the whole meal and has just been like sitting and listening. I also would like to impose um, more problems and issues for myself uh, mm -hmm. and say that. So I had a I had a bit of uh, exhaustion yesterday that I mitigated with coffee mm -hmm. and was going to sleep after that. And I don't know how much genuine rest take would have gotten last night. So I see. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> okay. Very good to know. Yeah. Well, I doubt the stubborn son of a gun would want us to let the whole damn thing crumble on his account. <clears throat> yeah. So what yeah, do you I do? mean, I guess life goes on, work goes on. We got to keep doing what we have been doing. Um, yeah. Martha yeah, just, oh, go ahead. Martha just remembered something. She has a decision to make. You were left with the impression that Levine was not rushing you into that, that okay. you had you had time to decide and that the Coral Sea was going to be stationed here at Beacon for at least another couple of days. Although there is question as to how long it'll be stationed here now. Yeah. Uh, let's get a roll real quick from Tig. Yeah. I need a stamina hmm. roll from you. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. I know. <laughs> okay. Um, keep in mind, you have not been able to recover stress. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. Um, I had one. I have written down. Hold on. One. Does that sound correct? one stress oh i seem to remember you accumulating more than that i feel like i did i feel like you accumulated more than that but i also feel like but you... one the one the um lieutenant knocked me down one in the elevator right tell you what we'll just start at one for now okay yeah yeah Oh, um, also, sorry, I, I meant to tell you, we don't have to re-roll this, but I meant to tell you, uh, you get a negative modification for the number of days you haven't had a sleep. Yeah. So, um, oh, it's but you're fine. laughing, so what'd you roll? I rolled a one on the panic die. On the panic die. Okay. Um, but it's fine. My roll, I succeed. It's nerves of steel. Yeah. Um, okay. One second. I just need to And no successes, something. though, by the way. <laughs> no successes. Okay. <laughs> Go to bed. Um, I rolled ones actually. Gained, <laughs> so just as a quick reminder, because I keep forgetting yeah. to implement this, but anytime mm -hmm. you have to make a panic roll, you mm -hmm. automatically gain an additional point of stress. Yes, yes, yes. So go ahead and pop that on there. Um, you're everyone is seeing Tig looking like hell. She's holding herself together, 
Like she still got energy, but you like can't hide you can't hide the rings under the eyes. You can't hide the sunken features. She's hanging on to normalcy with just an just like by the teeth, just like hanging on to it entirely, just jaw clenched, sitting still, engaging at like expected times, but just like very tense, very rigid. It's you can see it. I think Doc is gonna take a look at you, Tig. You go, didn't get any rest like you said you would, did you? Went to my quarters, yes. Laid down, yes. Closed my eyes, yes. Sleep? Y technically, don't know how much good it did me, though. That one wasn't my fault. I did go to bed, so. It's fine. I imagine we're all on edge. Just, if you can, please find a way to take care of yourself, because I can't. Um, I'm going to go check on Taylor. And he just gets up. Okay. Walks off. Walsh Albright move away from the table, slide of, between a couple of people that are just entering the cafeteria who greet him and vanishes down a corridor. So, um, what are you all doing today? What's on the schedule? Have we been assigned anything? By whom? Yeah. I mean, I just have my regular, like, check on the security tech stuff. But, yeah, no, we don't have a official mission right now. The director is taking a pause for the moment on longer scale projects, I think. Yeah. Question. Mm -hmm. Did she respond? Did she ever respond to the captain? No. What was on that ship? She never replied. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cool. No, she. Cool. <laughs> simply wandered away from him and kind of assumed that sort of like dead face motion like emotionless state that she has been in since attacking the airlock door Do we go after the ship? Is that... Is she gonna have us do that later? Is that the... Because the longer it takes to start that process, if that's something that's gonna happen, the harder it is gonna be to do. Yeah. Well, from what I understand, the Marines are um, out there looking or keeping an eye out, so hopefully they can give us some information 
if they pick up a, a location and we can maybe head that direction. I mean, if that's what she wants us to do. But I don't know. I don't know anything. When you see Baker enter the cafeteria, he's in a tank top and work work pants, thick boots, rubbing his hand with looks like an oiled up rag. Looking around, a couple of people nodding to him. He very just kind of slowly and casually starts making his way over to you guys. If you didn't know any better, you would say Baker probably hasn't slept very much either. So he approaches the table. Says, Hey, Ilios. How are y'all doing? How are you holding up? Best we can, I suppose. How are y'all? I have no idea. Isaac's the only one that's been allowed in Varela's quarters. He hasn't said a word to me. And the Marines have gone quiet. Levine was in a huff. He stomped out of here. He's been on the Coral Sea this whole time. I've seen the lieutenant a couple of times. But she's not given up any information either. So I don't know what the hell is going on. How do Isaac? investigations work? We well, need to do an investigation, right? He nods and says, well, that's what Mirani is up to right now. This is technically her jurisdiction, so she's looking into it. But it gets complicated because apparently of this whole cult thing. I guess it's tied into something that happened in the Frontier War. And turns out this Maitland guy is kind of on one of the most wanted lists. So now the Colonial Marines are getting involved. I've tried to ask Marani about it, you know, being XO of the station and all, but she's told me she actually can't say much about it just yet. My guess is Levine's probably talking to her and telling her things that we're not supposed to know. I look at Martha and look back. When will we know? Are they looking into where he went? I don't know how you find that out. He didn't log a flight plan of any kind. He seemed to know exactly where he was going. They have a basic direction that he was pointed, but you know, space being rather large, it's kind of difficult to tell where that's going to end up, especially with an FTL jump. I'm not um, sure. Uh, I have a, Aliza has a question because I think Martha would already know this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is there something that's kind of like a, what's it called? A, a, T, B, a, if T B basically A P B is that it? Points bulletin, yeah. Yeah, that. Is there something like that? Bola. Oh. Uh I, you see Baker nods and says I have to imagine. They would have done that already, right? He shrugs and says, like I said, it's Marani's jurisdiction. She's a colonial marshal, so my guess is she probably has, but again, she's being tight-lipped about this too. I've cornered her a few times and demanded to know what the hell's going on. She's apologized, told me she can't tell me. Then she what told me to get on? the fuck out of her way, which I did because I'm smart. What's with all the secrets about this? Like, I don't know. Hmm. The whole thing is weird, and honestly, 
He leans in a little bit to all of y'all and says, I don't know. Something about the way Rella reacted. I don't know. Something. I don't know. I mean, I knew she was saving that ship to go look for her kid. But we have other ships. It's not as good. But she was acting like... I don't know what she was acting like. She was acting like there was something priceless on that ship, at least to her. In her mind. Irreplaceable. He just shakes his head and says, I, I can't figure it. I mean, we know that she has put, put a lot of resources into this ship, right? Like, she built it up so That's that true. she could take it out there and look for her son. So maybe there's some resources that were gained without permission, and maybe those were things that have some level of confidentiality, and she's worried about all of the above you know you might be onto something with that because i know for a fact she did not part on good terms with Wayland yutani and that's not a company that's really known for letting people part on bad terms when you're an executive hmm and a well-liked executive maybe oh i don't know about that actually i don't know if you read the papers when beacon got funded seemed like it was all amicable but that's what companies do make it sound right. amicable of course every time i've talked to her she's made it sound like well, she's just made it sound like i don't know how to explain it it feels like uh he leans up against a chair and folds his arms and says you guys ever hear the story of um the three little pigs Yes. I'm going to roll to see if Martha has. <laughs> hey, um, yeah. Legit. She hasn't. She even hasn't. She has. Even. She has. Okay. Isaac enthusiastically knows this one. Baker says, all right. I just kind of feel like Beacon might be the brick house and Waylon Yutani is the wolf at the door. That's how she's always made it sound. Well, she did strongly imply that setting up this organization involved some violations of good judgment. That raises in a little bit of an eyebrow with Baker, like he hasn't heard that before. The table looks lovely this time. <laughs> you just stare right at the table. <laughs> um, Baker says, well... You may know better than me, Isaac, for all I know. But, um... I don't know if this has anything to do with Waylon Yutani or not, but... I don't know. I'm like the rest of you. I'm... I'm free-falling here. I don't know what to do next. I don't know what happens next. I don't know what we're supposed to do about this. I suspect at some point someone's going to come and tell us something. I'm going to leave now. You do that, Isaac. I get up and I leave now. Isaac abruptly just gets up and 
You hear this chair scoot away from the table. Isaac just scoots it back in and calmly walks away. Baker watches them go. Says, looks back at the two of you and says, "Listen, Martha, Pig. I'm not trying to get y'all in trouble, but I know you've got, you know, I know you speak Marine, being you know one X one. So maybe you hear anything that might be station relevant and doesn't get you in trouble. Pass it on to me. Yeah." I, uh, also, I didn't get a chance to say this when Isaac was here, and I don't know where Albright is, but I just wanted to say I'm really sorry about O'Donnell. We were lucky to get him. I thought he was overqualified. Thank you. Pain in the ass, but damn good pilot. He and Julio were best friends, apparently. I didn't know that. Sometimes you find things out a little too late on the station. But it makes sense, all the banter they probably threw back and forth at each other. Are you having trouble remembering Julio, Sam? <laughs> no, I had a thought. No, I, oh. I remember everyone. I have to Okay, just checking. Because Julio barely comes up in the game because he's literally I in his own he's up at the top of the tower right, doing and he traffic kicks control. Back and he does, yeah. yeah. So just making sure. All right. So Yeah, and he plays sick tunes. He does play sick Makes tunes. bad jokes when you're trying to jo dock the station. <laughs> Yep. He gave me uh, Dracula as a book recommendation. Mm -hmm. Well, Baker pushes off the table and says, anyway, I'll be around. And if you need to talk to someone, um, Dr. Khan wanted me to know, uh, wanted me to you know, let you know that she's available to all of you. Thanks, Baker. Yeah. He kind of does the shoulder thing, <laughs> pats you on the shoulder, Martha. And... Um, Takes a step away from the table. Um, I'm going to cut to Albright. So, really quickly, Albright yeah. was lying to the table. He's not going to Taylor. He's going, he going to Director Varela's office. Okay. You step into the elevator. You've already arrived. Mm -hmm. Taking you all the way up to G-Deck, the upper tower. Which is near the operations dome. And you mm -hmm. step out and... Walk around the great column that is the center elevator of the room, <laughs> moving past what was once the <laughs> the sick bay in that early days of Beacon, and you approach the large double doors that lead into Varela's uh, executive quarters. You see, are they, they oh, are closed. They don't open. They're closed, and you do see mm -hmm. there is a a red bar over the data pad entry point, which indicates a do not disturb. So. We all we all learned new skills when we were off this season. Oh, one of the skills okay. that <laughs> one of the skills that Doc has been learning, uh, he's got a new patient that is a little different than his normal one. So I now have two points of contact. I would very much like to see if I could find a way around this door or all get right. this door to open. Roll to hack the planet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say, yeah, make your contact check. Okay. Um, so it's contact and wit, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, it's the connected. Yeah. Okie dokie. Uh, Tell me what you get. Okie dokie. Uh, right, that's one success. Can you remind me how push works? I have one, su I have one success here. 
So basically, when you decide to push, you can push any roll that's not a success or a facehugger. Oh. Okay. Uh, so you can push it... all the other dice. You get to re-roll all those other dice. But when you push, you gain an automatic point of stress. Yeah, well, you know, that, that fits the narrative. Which you, <laughs> which you then roll added to the push roll. So make sure that you add that extra stress die. Okay, yep. Okay. Yay, our first push. When was the last time we had a push? All right, there we go. That's two uh, That's two more successes, and I rolled a three on the stress die. I don't, rem I don't remember how the stress die works. All good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you just don't want to roll a one, which is basically okay. the alien dice depict the one as a face hugger. It's bad. It's bad. And good. Uh, okay, basically so that's means a total of three successes. Okay, three successes is absolutely going to gain you entry. In fact, you can stunt that now. So much so, Doctor, that you can do things like I never have to roll to hack this panel again. I think that's going to be the one. <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of the things that you can do. Um, hack the yeah. panel. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, some of the other stunts, you, you get two additional. because you Or you get, you get one additional stunt. Um, okay. The other one is you can... So now you're going to basically have access to this thing whenever you want to get into her quarters. But you can give yourself uh, plus one to a related roll later. You uh, you can do it in half the usual time. You can gain unexpected information. Hide your tracks is also an option. Oh, no, I'm not hiding. I want, <laughs> them, to know I, I want them to know I did this. I want the access. I want access. Wait, I can get two, you said? Yeah. I want unexpected information, please. Okay. Uh, she has not left her quarters once since she sealed herself away. Uh, the only access code that has been used to enter the quarters have been has been Isaac, who was allowed in. You see okay. both, but you also get information uh, in a video feed. You can see that uh, a few of the people that have come to the quarters in the logs indicate that the Captain Levine and his lieutenant attempted twice to contact her and spoke through the door at one point before giving up. All right. I'm, I'm going to walk in. Okay. Doors go, access granted. They slide open. And as they do, you see she is sitting much as Isaac left her earlier this morning, sitting in her chair, facing out towards space. You can see her reflection of her face in the glass in front of her. Um, there is a dead cigarette in her hand, and she is just staring out the window. It looks like she's still wearing the same clothes as well. I'm just going to pick up an ashtray and a chair and put a chair next to where she's sitting and just take that dead cigarette and put it down, sit next to her and go, we need to talk. She looks at you, her head slowly turns and she doesn't say anything. She stares at you. O'Donnell, I, I ain't never had a crew before. I've had a, a team, surgery, a surgery team, business team, but I've never had a crew. That young man did not deserve that. And... To be quite honest with you, I didn't realize how much I had 
taken in those people that have agreed to fly under my command as my family. I didn't know until I couldn't tell them no more. And it is tearing me apart, but I can't let the crew see it. And it's also making me angry. It, 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 it's not so much. You're going to tell me why you're mourning a ship more than my boy. You're going to make that make sense in my head. And then we are going to figure out a way to fix this. And I would, I would Go like ahead. to use compassion or okay. calming presence to try and like get her out of it so we can so, start working. So you're using forceful language, but you're using compassion. So you're basically, uh -huh. so then I'm going to say, that's that's a really compelling choice yeah. to use forceful language, but you're actually coming from a place of there's loss, and I need you to make I need you to help me make sense of this. Right. So, it, it, uh, just to just to kind of clarify, he's he's saying you're mourning the ship more than my crew member. Mm -hmm. I'm not mad about it. You're just gonna make that make sense to me. We'll see if that comes across to her. Okay. I would so, also yeah. posit you're talking about framing it as the loss of a child, which is the thing that is her driving motivation. Yeah, I mean, it's so, a manipulation check. It, just, and it's yeah. not a manipulation check. Isn't always it's not as dark as it sounds. You're literally just yeah. trying to appeal to a sense by using tactics to get her to understand where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. I'm here for that. My manipulation is actually zero still, uh, but my, my empathy is five. So okay, it, that's even better. Because now you're you're chance. reaching out to appeal to her humanity. That is exactly one uh, success. That is, however, one on the panic the die. die or okay. stress die. Yep. So uh, I'm gonna roll a d6 for you. Okay. Um, what is or actually, if you'd like to roll it, you can, or I can roll it for you. Oh, oh no, I absolutely. Uh, please roll, roll it for me. How, yes. how many points do you have? Uh, how many points of stress? Yeah. One, I believe. I, I, I believe I am at two. I'm oh, at two. two? Okay, three points of stress. Mm -hmm. All right. I rolled a four, five, six. You barely passed. <laughs> but you gained an additional point of stress because you had to roll in the panic table. That, that's fair. That's fair. Um, you are keeping it together. But having to roll in the panic table means that it's clear you are keeping it together. Yeah. So you, how many successes was that? One. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to roll for Varela. And I'm finally, finally pulling out her character sheet for the first time in a hot minute. All right, so let's do this. Oh, interesting. What does that do? It's been a while since I've looked at her character sheet. 
<laughs> I don't like when the GM starts asking those when you, kind of questions. When you make an entire station worth of NPCs, sometimes you're like, what can they do again? Um, oh my gosh, he's got a nuke? <laughs> yeah. She has a gun for an arm? What? It says special skill tying cherry stems with her tongue. Okay, yeah. how does that fit here? It's a three-point talent. Okay, okay, so let's see. So this is a I think it's agility role. <laughs> um, she is going to get stress dice because she is absolutely. Uh... Well, I'm glad the feeling's mutual then, at least. <laughs> oh yeah, no, she she did not. Typically, typically, uh, you don't give NPC stress dice, but these are kind of like signature NPCs, and sometimes, sometimes signature you can. stress. Okay, um, she gives Mistress. you a hard, cold look, and Doc, you've seen this look before in people. It's people who are who. It's with with that many successes. I'll give you this much. Hmm? You you've just you've seen it. You've delivered bad news. And you've been on the receiving end of bad news. You've seen the traumatic effect of loss or change that happens in hospitals, and it's not, it's always a shock to the system. It's never easy. Varela resembles somebody who has received bad news. And there's a part of you that for a moment, there's a part of you that's not sure she heard a word you just said as she gazes at you. Then she speaks to you. Three. Uh, oh, okay, so it's the same role. Oh, no, she's using. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. She's using that. <gasps> Never mind. This is right up there with what's your passive perception? <laughs> How many um, hit points do you have again? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you can roll to resist. But she's okay. using a talent called Take Control. Okay. Um, and uh, essentially, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like pulling rank. Yeah. So. Oh, what do I roll to resist? Except this... for it's, it's a little, it's a little. Uh, <laughs> this gets spicy. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little darker because it's a company talent, like a company oh. agent talent. So the literal talent reads, you know how to make people do what you want and you don't feel bad about doing it. Okay. So, um, yeah, go ahead and make, I would say, uh, you can go ahead and try to resist this. And I'm okay. going to say it's a, ooh, you know what? Give me a second and pulling this up because we actually haven't had a social combat. I like this. Uh, <laughs> And right now we're kind of having a social combat. So, uh, yeah, one sec, let's see. Um, I think I'm gonna have you roll. I'm just gonna look at manipulation real quick. She used that. Um, to make another person do what you say, you make an opposed roll for manipulation. It takes, okay. Right, they add a lot of modifiers on a one-way mm -hmm. roll. It doesn't look like it's an opposed check. It's not an opposed check. 
Ooh. Um, I should have given her a negative modifier. So I'll tell you what, this is what's going to happen instead. She, mm-hmm. she, well, first of all, she's going to succeed because she's, gonna, okay. she rolled two and she, oh, but hold up. No, 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 no. Let's step back because that's, that's a bad ruling because I'm letting her succeed and you fail. She rolled against you. She doesn't get to roll against you because you used your compassionate talent. Yeah. So we're going to back that all the way back to that moment. Um, in which case, mm-hmm. uh, she folds her hands and you see movement in her body language for the first time. She blinks and reaches over and pulls what looks like the last cigarette out of the carton and lights it. Takes a deep breath out of that cigarette, drags it back. You can see the glowing crimson ring around the edges. She takes a deep inhale and exhales a plume of smoke, which will probably take away another point of stress from her, if not shorten her life somewhat. Um, I cannot tell you how hazardous that is to your health. As your physician, I cannot abide by it. She sits motionlessly for a moment as the cigarette continues to burn. And then slowly turns to you and says, How the fuck did you get in here? I'd imagine one doesn't get to be in positions like yours by asking questions that don't matter in the moment. One gets to be in my position because people learn that not answering my questions is not healthy. Well, as it is my chief profession to know the difference between what is healthy and what is not, I will go and lean on my experience on this one. She's toothless, and you can tell, Doc. She doesn't have a comeback for that. You can tell just from the lack of conviction in what she is saying to you that there's really nothing behind the veiled menace in her tone with you. And she glances down at the table, and she says, I'm very sorry about O'Donnell. I wish I had known. I don't completely understand what has happened here either. I have suspicions. I have enemies, Albright. No one does to Wayland Yutani what I did to Wayland Yutani. I thought we had come to an understanding. I thought I had assurances. Director. No one needs you to be sorry about O'Donnell. I am here because Beacon has been poisoned and if we don't do something, we risk losing everything that we have started here. The refugees don't know what 
is to become of them the military. Big men with guns are getting antsy and no one knows where to look, what to do, or who to look to for instruction. We do not have the luxury of sitting locked in our rooms, Director. If I offered you the chance to make this right, would you take it? You and your crew? Doc looks at the door just to kind of make sure it's closed. It's closed. People mistake the oath that physicians take. There is a line that says that we, if we adhere to our oath, should enjoy a life of happiness and honor because we have refrained from harm. My life is not filled with happiness, nor is it filled with honor, Director. If you give me the chance to make this right, I will gladly take it. Assemble the crew of the Elios and be back up into this office in 30 minutes. Affirmative. All right. Yes. Ever since I left Weyland Yutani, I have lived under shadow of a very messy, very messy demise. If you come into my quarters unannounced again, I will shoot you. Not on purpose, mind you. Or out of malice. Understood. Now I know the risk. <laughs> she doesn't uh, look like she's threatening at all with that. She looks like she's shaken. And she nods appreciatively. Don't get any more cigarettes. That should be your last one. <laughs> it just walks out. As you leave, the door closes behind you. She looks out the window and says, it was the last one. <laughs> um, where was Isaac headed? Um, let's say that Isaac headed over... Oh, I, I don't want to do this. I have to do this. I don't want to do this. I have to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm going to go see Amelia LaRouche. Okay. Your best pal. <laughs> um, all right. LaRouche is on the operation. I mean, LaRouche is where you're always going to find her. She is down on uh, cargo deck on deck B, which is where it happens. Um, you come across her. Uh, she is currently yelling at somebody for uh, not... 
There is a string of insults erupting from her mouth because apparently somebody doesn't know how to properly move in a loader. Um, but as you approach, she turns towards you and she says, what do you want? Whenever you have a moment. I have a moment now. I look to the person in the loader. Um, you see them just like tapping on the controls and like moving a thumbstick around and the, the arm just goes, woo, 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 woo. I'm not helping you figure it out anymore. You shouldn't be on Beacon Station if you don't know how to use a loader. Everyone takes work, whether they're qualified or not. We're all starving out here. What do you want, Isaac? I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the procedure that we did. Your chip? Yes. What about it? The man who killed O'Donnell. Yeah, I heard. He was also a synthetic life form, as they like to call you. Apparently, I'm supposed to prefer the term artificial person. What do you want to know, Isaac? Did he have his chip removed too? Possibly. He could have been an older model. The truth is, is when you don't maintenance a synthetic life form or a synthetic person, as it were, sometimes that can happen. Our first days here on Beacon, what did we do? That thing tried to kill us, and she points heartlessly over at the Siegson uh, automaton that you just see the working Joe just putting something up onto this stack. And you see one of the, almost like in stark contrast to her bigotry as she as she spits this in the direction of the Siegson, you see one of the crew members of Beacon patting the working Joe on the back and go, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Thank you, I was gonna have to lift that myself. And the working Joe just goes, you are welcome as it just gives off the automated response. It says, here, I got some more work for you. Come over here. And they follow. She looks back at you and says, says, you still haven't told me what you want to know. Is it whether it was a model you recognized, how it could happen, and if it wasn't a function of maintenance, how we might figure out who could have done it and if they're associated with the organization he came from someone said they were terrorists we could look at the computer to see what the uh maybe mother can tell us something about who this person is if they're on the most wanted list i can get a facial recognition and she immediately moves over to the mother console she starts typing in information what did they say his name was Maitland. Types it in. I never saw any of those, of that model in the catalogs. There's a lot. There's a lot. Sometimes they're private orders. She types it in, brings up the display, and you see Maitland. As it appears on screen. Sure enough, it's not a model you've ever seen in any of the catalogs. It says... Hyperdyne series 120A slash 3. The slash 3 is typically denotes some like uh, a modified 
or custom order. So Hyperdyne Records would have it, the information. Depends. If this was ordered by a corporation, then that's going to be confidential. But he, he killed someone. She shrugs. This isn't the first time a synth decided to smash someone's head in. Um, anyway, I, I thought it might be. Is that a fucking tattoo? Yeah, yes. You got a tattoo? Well, because I've, I've traveled on the ship now. And so I, I get the star. She stares at it when you say this, Isaac, and she just goes, it's nice. Thank you. May I make an observation check? Yeah. Just, I, 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 we know where this goes, but like, yeah. I live Go in hope an observation that I might check. read that mm -hmm. vibe. Yeah. Okay, come on, Isaac. Alas. You don't know where that came from, Isaac. Oh, it's a bit mysterious. All you know about LaRoche is that she has never liked synthetic life forms. She's always had it and there there it happens. You come across people who feel like their jobs are threatened because synthetic life forms are really good at doing what they do and uh it's never been an issue. It almost never is. Anytime someone like in, in, especially here anytime somebody screams about replacement, it's all bullshit and you everyone around you knows it. LaRoche seems to have succumbed to that sort of Backward medieval ass thinking, and you've had to endure it for a while. And this one moment, though, when she spots your tattoo and the comet, it just stands out. You're not sure what that was. Um, I should get back to work. Let me know if they need any training on the loader. Hey, did you? I heard you went into Varela's office. Is she all right? No one is doing well right now. Are you okay? Fine. She steps past you. I hope you feel better. It lingers in your head, Isaac. You know LaRoche's attitude. You know that just recently this Maitland murdered a crew member of Beacon. You don't know, but you can guess what she's probably dealing with right now. And yet still. Tattoo thing. Yeah. It's she what you said, leave. Like, eight what? other ant rude anti-synth things in the wake of all of this. And mm -hmm. instead she was strangely neutral about my ink. Yeah. All right. 
Well, unless there's anything else, that 30-minute window will close and we can gather in Varela's office. Did you have something, Martha? Yes. Yeah. Fire away. What's it got? What you got? After <clears throat> our uh, little baker meeting, impromptu meeting, uh, mm -hmm. Martha's going to go and do a tech check, security tech check. Make me a comms tech check. Okay. Yeah. This is what you do. Yeah, this has been kind of like my impromptu job when I'm when we're on the station. So, all right. I, once again, I I moved a lot of stuff because I moved bedrooms. Yeah, no, no worries. I don't know where my D6s are, y'all. I only have seven D6s. That's not enough. Is that not enough for Martha? No. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> nice. nice. Okay. What, what, a, what a flex. Contact <laughs> check is like a thicker macro than my heavy machinery check. Yeah, because you also get yeah. an equipment bonus. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, so this would be... <clears throat> is this software or hardware, basically? Well, Just if you're, flavor. If you're running through a security check, it's going to be software, unless you're going into the system itself and popping it open and looking only to see if, if it's... Yeah, okay, only yeah. so it's, a soft, it's software. Software. So then, yeah, yeah that's 10. Um, okay, cool. All right. So um, add a bonus dice because Mother is going to help you. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. Eleven. Okay. So I'll re-roll four of them. Eleven with four re-rolls. Um, oh my god. <laughs> one success right now. Okay. And then let me. Do... I don't think you have any stress either, so you should be good on that. Yeah, um, I don't think I have any stress you slept, either. Unless yeah. you decided to go for the. Mm -mm. I think Martha would have slept. <laughs> Well, she's used to death. You know, it's hard, but she's used to it. Take tried, but I would, mm. I like to cause problems for myself. So, <laughs> I got one success. Cool, one success. All you need. Okay. Um, mother logged Maitland's uh, uh, breach of the security to get through. I mean, you saw it before when you discovered oh. what was going on. What right. you discover is. Upon further inspection, right now, nothing at Beacon Station is out of the ordinary right now. Um, you're logging all the standard protocol stuff. You see standard traffic coming and going. Uh, the Coral Sea has been quiet, but that's to be expected because they're probably on secured comms right now, especially because they're technically on in operations. So that's not expected. Varela hasn't sent out any communications at all. There's no comms. Um, you, you are able to see sophistication in which Maitland was able to hack into mother and gain access to that airlock uh it's pretty impressive mm -hmm. he seems to know his way around systems interesting what's curious about it too is he used an old uh backdoor code from ah. it's like an outdated Wayland yutani code That's which if I'm you thinking. remember um this mother was installed re uh just before beacon went live because of uh, it is uh, again a subsidiary this is a hand-me-down station from Siegson that that uh, Wayland Yutani had purchased mm -hmm. somehow he knew how to access uh, a command code for this particular mother unit to gain access to it hmm. interesting that's yeah that's what I was looking for to see how mm -hmm. how that happened he seemed to know a code it's possible he it's it's entirely possible with one success it's entirely possible he hacked that code or he had it you don't know for an additional success you might have been able to point pinpoint that but either way he used a code and he didn't have much resistance from mother interesting okay curiously enough though mother did log that he was not authorized when he used that code and did alert everybody right 
She flagged it. Yep, she flagged it. Mother knew that that mother, she's an older model, but she knew something was up and she flagged that. She couldn't stop him from using the airlock, but she could tell everybody he was using the airlock. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Okay, now I will take that info with me to the meeting. Okay. So you all hear the news. Doc got through to Varela. Varela asked a very compelling question. And as you were all gathering and headed up to her office, I shall let Doc, are you going to inform the crew what the question was? Or is this something that gets visited in the meeting? I think this might be something that gets visited in the meeting. Okay. I, I think I think what Doc is trying to do is to get her back on her on her wagon. Right. So it's just like you like I'm not gonna make this easy for you. Do your goddamn job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Up love. Yeah. Get back to yeah. Totally. All right. Well, when you guys get into the office and you get up topside, <laughs> there's no Baker, but there is Levine. Levine is here along with Lieutenant Batista. Captain Levine, uh, as he's standing there, you see he's got something folded under his arm and Varela is leaning up against her desk with her arms folded, just looking kind of like Tig at this point, like she hasn't slept. And she sees you all enter and she just waves you all in. And Levine nods to all of you as you do. I put a small tray off to the side in an inconspicuous uh, corner. We had just eaten food, so mm-hmm. it means it's probably Varilla uh, breakfast time or whatnot. Okay. So, like, just out of out of the way. Thank but you, Isaac. Since I'm since I'm coming up here anyway. She says it very quickly as she notices what you're doing. Thank you, Isaac. Um, I'm assuming customary salutes as the as the uh, as Martha. You enter the room. You see the captain standing there. Yes. He's as you guys enter the room, he goes and tells you to be at ease, Martha, to take a seat with everybody else. And Varela speaks up first and says, Captain Levine, I um I finally responded to his summons, I suppose, whatever you want to call them, and he has some information he would like to tell us, and I was asking him to hold off until we were all here for reasons that will become clear soon enough. A few moments later, Baker walks in, steps into the room, motions him in. Baker takes a seat, looks around at everybody, just kind of nods, reaches over and tears a piece of the cornbread off of the plate. Don't worry, Isaac. He knows I don't eat it. All right. Captain, you had something you wanted to tell us? Nods and says, yeah. Thank you, and thank you everyone for being here. I've been authorized to tell you what we know about the synthetic life form known as Maitland. He is a Hyperdyne series, 120A slash three, specializing in xenolinguistics and xenoethnomusological studies. Curiously enough. In fact, an expert 
Originally, he was an archivist on the... Let's see if I can pronounce this correctly. The Geholagod Institute. It's a scientific research institute, supposedly independent, that studies xenobiology as well as uh, various archaeological curiosities and so on. He was an archivist at the Institute. We believe he uncovered and became obsessed with something known as the Shaw Halloway Papers. They were a research paper, a culmination of research project by one Dr. Elizabeth Shaw. And Dr. Shaw was one of the crew members that went missing on the Prometheus Project a little over 90 years ago. Also among the crew members on that project was Peter Wayland. Yes, that Wayland. This is relevant because we also believe that Maitland uncovered data received by a deep space comm station that Wayland yutani was trying to bury. The data packet, which we only have a name for right now, was listed as the David transmissions. We don't know the nature of these transmissions. But we do know that a synthetic crew member on board the Prometheus was a David model. And given the context, this gives us high confidence that this is all somehow connected. Maitland copied all of this information into his internal memory and erased all of the data from the archive before murdering three people and fleeing. Because he is the only one that has this data right now, the Colonial Marine Corps Command has informed me that he is a high-priority capture target. We need to know and understand what drove him to do this and what his agenda is. Now, as some of you know, as you've heard me say, Maitland is a member of a cult called the Children of the Two Divines. Now, they're largely scattered. They have been since the end of the Frontier War but they're still dangerous and they're still driven with an agenda. Also, we can now say, and you see his jaw clench a little bit and his body language shifts. We can now say that we have high level of confidence that Maitland was responsible for the outbreak on SB-357 and used a biological agent infecting most of the colony, resulting in the death of over 600 people. He used this biological agent and sent out a distress call, we believe, now given the location of how close the colony was, and now that we have context of his actions since he arrived, his target was Beacon Station. And we believe the murder of those colonists and the SOS sent was simply to get him here. We believe he triggered that catastrophe in order to lure, distract, and cause death to cover his agenda. And we believe his target was your ship, the Rasmussen. And that is all of the intel we have right now. Tig is staring daggers at Varela. Not Varela's, saying anything, but just... Varela's just quiet listening to this. 
You see occasionally her jaw clenches. So, now that we're all here, it seems like each of us has a couple of pieces of the puzzle. And it's time to have a discussion about what we know. I have just one thing to add right now, sir. Of course, go ahead. I did a systems check of, of our securities, a comm check, and Maitland was able to easily hack into our mother system here on the station. Mother did flag it right after it happened, but mother was not able to stop him because he used an old Weyland Yutani command code. I'd like to do some more investigating into that code. Perhaps Varela could help with that. But I want to find out where this code came from and how Maitland could have gotten access to it. Varela pipes up at this point and says, Maitland's not Weyland Yutani. Exactly. That's correct. I believe he's acting independently as an arm for this cult. The children of the two divines. Is the cult all synths, or is it a mix of synths and humans? It's mostly humans, though we did learn recently that one of the cult leaders was also a synthetic. Hmm. And what is their core belief? You see... Batista glances over at him like, are you going to say it? <laughs> kind of just like glances over. You all get this sense that there is this buildup. And he says, <clears throat> I cannot stress this enough. But what I am about to tell you on top of what I have already told you is privileged information. And you can get in serious trouble if you go spreading this around the scuttlebutt. Before I answer your question, I need to make sure that everybody else who is not Martha understands this. glances left and right and seems to be satisfied says very well without going into too much background there is a biological organism that has been called the xenomorph it is a you see him hesitate and it doesn't take a role to see a little bit of anxiety come over his face for a moment at the mention of the creature he's talking about. It is a biological organism. A... It's a fucking bug, you hear Batista say. A really dangerous, evil bug that goes around and kills a lot of people in terrible ways. And both sides have tried to weaponize it. Wayland Yutani's tried to weaponize it. The UPP tried to weaponize it. It's all connected. The captain kind of glances at her. No, no anger in his, in his look. He just kind of nods like he's grateful that she jumped in. And he looks back at everybody and says, there is some truth to some of the things you may have heard about the book Space Beast. There are things out here on the frontier that we are still trying to understand. The Xenomorph is a threat that we have become quite familiar with in the past few years. Children of the Two Divines believe that their final evolution is the ascension of their body into the body of a xenomorph. Thanks to the 
horrific ways in which xenomorphs propagate. He lets that hang in the air. I think Tig thinking about the creatures that we encountered. Yeah. Past tense being like, it's like a like zombie. They turn into. They want to. Perks an eyebrow at you and says, "This has to do with your debriefing. You saw a variation of the xenomorph. Certainly a relative, but no, the thing you saw would be considered a." more of a protomorph, something that was not quite as advanced, maybe even maybe even less evolved along the lines as that. Xenomorph is a fully evolved, recognized organism, and quite frankly, the most lethal thing that we have discovered out here on the frontier that is not human. What's terrifying about them is they have the ability to infect hosts with a sort of parasite-like organism that bursts from the host's chest, killing them, and is the birth cycle of the xenomorph life form. Jesus. They grow at a rapid rate, and they are very difficult to kill. Children of the Two Divines believe that it is the destiny of humankind to ascend by allowing these xenomorphs to gestate inside of them, believing that their spirit is transferred to the new xenomorph that bursts from their chests. They're all absolutely out of their damn minds, and they will try to hurt and kill anybody they come across for their religious beliefs. I don't know how Maitland got tangled up in all of this, but it has something to do with the files that he uncovered at his institute. Xenomorphs? So, that leaves us with a few questions. Why was Maitland willing to kill an entire colony of people to get to Beacon and steal a ship? question how mm-hmm. many of us have seen that protocol that was uncovered the at all costs oh all of y'all saw that all of us saw it yeah okay okay the question oh. hangs in the air as eyes slowly start kind of drifting over to varela varela pulls out another pack of cigarettes We're going to pause for our break. (laughs) Be back in 10 minutes. See you soon. If you are enjoying this, make sure to check out some of Keytime's other TTRPG podcasts, like our two Monster of the Week actual plays, $2 Creature Feature, and Pest Control. If you want to learn more about Pathfinder 2nd Edition and other TTRPGs, we also have educational videos on our YouTube. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Beacon, everybody. We're going to jump right back into our game here, where we last left off. Um, Eliza has departed for the evening um, because um, the truth of the matter is, is the stream can only handle too much awesome in one like three-hour period, and we were kind of breaking that. Uh, so she's had to, she's been a, a team member here, been a real team player, and stepped off the stream. So we're we're grateful. 
Um, so she'll be back next week. Um, all right. All is okay. So all is all is good. Yeah. No, it's fine. I mean, it's just that we we're gonna get a letter from like our internet providers that are gonna wonder why the hell. Anyway, you get the idea. All right. So <clears throat> where we last left off, y'all were in Varela's office, and all eyes had turned to Varela. The question hanging in the air as to why this Maitland staged the destruction of a colony and then lied about get and lied to get rescued to get to beacon and steal this ship in particular because it become it's particularly it's apparent that Maitland had an agenda from the get-go and when all eyes turn to Varela you see she takes another long drag off the cigarette and eyes everybody before boldly turning to the general and says, before I say a single word, I need you to make me a promise. And the captain's jaw clenches. The implication that Varela knows something and that he's she's attaching conditions drives him to a point where you see him stiffen. And he says, you're trying to negotiate something with me? And she says, yes. I would like to know what these terms are before I understand what it is you're negotiating. She says, simple. I have the ability to find out where Maitland is going. I have on that particular bison cargo craft, a Weyland-Yutani inter-system silent distress tracker that I put there as a fail-safe. I won't be able to detect him until he leaves his FTL jump, and even then it'll take some time for it to get back to me, but I'll at least know exactly where he exited FTL space. And your condition on telling us this information? I'm going with you to get him. And that ship. And they're coming with me. And she nods to all of you. And he's... Looking at her, looks over at Batista, who's also glances over, and you hear her mutter, the balls on this woman. The captain looks back at her and says, or I have you arrested and tear that information out of your computers, as would be my jurisdiction to do. She shrugs. You could do that, but it's not in the computers. And I'm not going to tell you where it is. If you're going after Maitland, I will help you catch him. But not until you agree to take us with you. And upon arrival at whatever the destination is, I will let you know everything else. Because they're first. The captain looks angry. He looks very angry right now, fuming for a moment as he just clenches his jaw and stares at her. Ma'am, I could call your bluff here. I saw how important that ship was to you, even though we don't know why. If I'm your only chance of recovering it, why would you not play ball with us? 
That's a fair point. But with an easy answer. I'm a former executive. I look out for me first. I was disinclined to attach a stereotype to you when I first met you, ma'am. Thank you for helping me correct that. You're going to take us to the location of this Maitland. Assuming this signal gives off. And then you want us to taxi your ass out into what could be possibly a contaminated zone. Who knows where could be in UPP territory for the hell we know, in which case we would not have authorization to pursue. And what? You want us to give you a gun? You're going to go after this guy yourself? Is that the plan? No, I'm going to get back what is mine. And you'll get your criminal and some answers. Is there a reality in your head? Where you actually believe I'm going to go for this? She shrugs. I have nothing more to lose now. That was my everything. That was my only chance. I can't do that without authorization. I'm going to have to talk to my higher-ups about this. Are you going to say noir? Catherine, if I may, <clears throat> every second that we waste here debating, negotiating, and playing at our power, Maitland gets further and further away. Now, I don't like the secrets, I don't like the games, or the manipulation either, but that individual killed my pilot. I would see him apprehended. And we need your help to do that. Now, if you want to make an example of the director, if you want to pull your rank, there's nothing stopping you from doing that tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. But there is something stopping us from catching him. If you wait to do so. He considers this, but you see the lieutenant is nodding along with you. Like she is completely agreeing with what you're saying as she looks over at the captain. Fine. I'm going to pull an executive decision here. He glances over at Varela and says... You and your crew here may accompany us on the operation. In the full understanding, you I understand the chain of command on board a United Colonial Marines Corps ship. Everything begins and ends with me. You understand? She shrugs and says, yes. And looks at the rest of you and says, and do you all understand? I'm all, about, I'm all about the yes sirs, sir. I'm familiar. I'd love some clarification on the particulars, but that doesn't seem to be an emergent situation. Hopefully I'm not worried about you, Isaac, the captain says, but I'll give you all the information you need. 
Well then, go pack your bags. Be ready on the moment's notice, because the moment that signal comes in, we're all leaving. Yes, sir. I'm, Pig, before... I am temporarily reinstating you. Oh, I wish you wouldn't, actually. Uh, <laughs> that's her first reaction. Um, I got... I got I got dismissed for a reason, and now I've got two, so I don't I I don't know about that. Discomfort is noted. Pack your bags. It turns back into Varela and just says, "Get your bags ready too." And I want to know when that signal comes through. And with that, he beelines for the elevator. Irritation all over his face, and um. I the lieutenant, as she's walking by you, just nods down to you and says, Welcome back, hotshot. Thanks. <sighs> they both enter the elevator. Uh, Baker is just listening to all of this quietly and says, I understand now why our colonial marshal wasn't telling me anything. Are you going to tell us what the hell is going on? Varela says, no, not yet. Not until we're there, wherever there Varela. is. Varela, I'm not the smartest man, but I do have a hunch of where that information is. And God help me, I had best be wrong because I told you I have an attachment to my crew. She moves over to her desk and pours what's left of what, what looks like a very cold pot of coffee and says, I appreciate your conspiratorial mind, Doctor, but no, it's not an Isaac. You can rest assured. Thank Wouldn't God. <laughs> Wait, what? Just, just decompress immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I missed something. Albright believed that I hid information inside of your database. I didn't. Hmm. No, you erased stuff out of my database. She doesn't respond. She just takes a sip out of the cold cup of coffee. This sucks, actually. I just do. I want to have said that once, at the very least. That is profoundly unacceptable. What they're attempting to do with you. He said temporary, so whatever. But No, that's bad. Even temporarily. Temporary bad things are still bad. Couldn't agree more. I have some pull here, Varela says. He can reinstate you if he wants, but you're on my team. It won't take me back permanently. It's a matter of X, Y, Z, whatever health restrictions. And now I've gotten more marks uh, against me there. But uh, it's, uh, you know, a matter of the fact that I don't want to be. <laughs> but it's fine. Baker smirks and says, yeah, I don't envy you right now. Reactivation clause and all, it's bullshit. But um, they probably just want to have another medic on board. Who knows? And they just want another person who has to follow the rules. And she kind of like gets up and like does like a stretch. It was well, like, I guess I'm going to pack a bag. It's a shitty situation, Baker says, but can you blame the captain? I mean, Varela, what are you playing at? Because you just drafted the entire crew of the Ilios to go off into 
God knows where, chasing after this murderous Maitland guy who is apparently part of a cult. Like, are you listening to yourself? And if you know something, you're not telling any of us. You're putting everyone in this room at risk and you're not telling us why. And they just drafted Tig again. So what is this? Because from my angle, the captain isn't the bad guy here. Captain's doing what a colonial marine's going to do. You're the one I can't figure out anymore. You said from the beginning that this was going to be different. I signed on to this because you were not the corporate executive douchebag that I thought you were. So what is this? She sets, sets the mug down and she says, survival. Pack your bags. I don't have anything else to say to you. Tig takes a couple steps like towards the door and goes, your stupid ship got our friend killed. So I hope when the time comes for answers that they're worth it. And she kind of like dips her head and does like a uh, spin on her heel and heads back to her quarters. Those words bite her hard. She looks down at the ground and immediately turns away from all of you. Yeah, she Tig doesn't even wait to see the reaction. She so the other two yeah. or the other three. What do the rest of you do? I'm just gonna kind of walk over and if it's okay with her, put a hand on the director's shoulders. Okay. Pig's hurt. And a lot just happened to him. I'm choosing to believe that you're the person that I thought you are. I am and I'm not. give you that much albright you've earned it i am the person you think i am i'm also the person you're afraid i am your parent looking for their kid everything else is bullshit she nods that's right <sighs> don't screw us it just walks off as you walk out, the last one there is Baker, who just follows up your words, Albright, with just a look. She can't meet his eyes as he turns and heads out the office door. Leaving the last person there, I believe, is Isaac. Who hasn't yep. left yet. Yeah, I'm bad at knowing when exactly you leave. And mm -hmm. also, I have so many more questions, and none of them were answered. And... She doesn't protest when she sees that you're still here. Why aren't you telling them? Because I can't take any more chances. You think they won't do what you want them to do if you tell them? So you have to coerce them with information? Yes. then it sounds like they shouldn't help you. That would be their choice. But it's not because it's not an informed choice. She shrugs. That doesn't sound like my problem. I mean, you want us to help find your son. When you want people to help, it's good to be... If not nice or kind at least forthright right 
She walks over to you, stands just a few feet away, and gives you a look in her eyes. It's not as cold or as hard as she's been giving everyone else, putting up the walls and barriers. And instead, she reaches up and squeezes your arms, and like regards you for a moment. She says, I know everything you're trying to say, and you're not wrong. But everything will be clear once we arrive. Remember this moment, and I'll explain it. It won't matter by then. It only counts as trust if you tell them first. I don't care. I'm sorry. I'm leaving now. She nods. I can stop bringing the cornbread if you don't like it. <sighs> I told him once a long time ago that I didn't like the cornbread because I'm terrible at small talk. The cornbread's fine. It's awful, but I enjoy eating it. It's the only thing around here that still resembles what it was like growing up on a space station when I was little. Food's changed a lot. Cornbread hasn't. I can't say I won't tell him, but I won't do it without a good reason. I appreciate that you're learning so quickly, Isaac. I'm sorry I have to. He shrugs. It'll all be clear, eventually. I said I was leaving, so I gotta go now. I go now. I try to find my friends. Have you gotten in the elevator yet? Probably. We can now say I'm that. never going to find you. I'm going to have to hunt all the way around the station for you. <laughs> and the rest I of the game. I'll tell you exactly where Tig goes, though. Yeah. <laughs> I okay. God, what would I give for one of these right about now? <laughs> where are you people? Um, uh, they have their tablets. I'll... I really need it. <laughs> True. Uh, what are you Honestly, doing? Doc would have been lingering, so you might run into him. I mean,. There are there are only two main uh, cargo elevators for the entire uh, umbilical of the station itself, just connecting all of the different levels. So you guys could easily be having to wait. So you could rendezvous up at the elevator. Heck yeah. yeah. Yeah, at the lift, and yeah, it's easy enough. Speaker's mm -hmm. there with y'all, waiting for this lift to come, and he's just kind of glancing at the ceiling and tapping his foot like he's agitated. That's a reasonable response. I think I just say that out loud of the foot tapping. Mm -hmm. He doesn't <laughs> seem to catch it. You're not sure, but he just, he looks, he looks like he's about as happy as the rest of you. Pig will snort at your comment. <laughs> For the life of me, I don't know how they expect to survive. They're Marines. The they have really big guns. Guns only get you so far. It's trust that you need in a place like this. I look back to Varela's door. <laughs> they don't. Well, usually. Expect to survive. Not all of them. It's kind of part of the deal. 
feel like Varela's feel like we've crossed a threshold where we've finally found the one thing that she will do anything for. And it makes me nervous. Because I don't want to be somebody's expendable asset, you know? After all of it, I still can't blame her. It's her kid, you know? Pissed you ever tell you about him? A little. He was a but... doctor? Like mm -hmm. Albright here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> More like me, right? Uh, he was, um... I mean, from the way she talks about him, he's got the same attitude. <laughs> but uh, his story is actually pretty similar to Albright's. He was a chief of he was a chief surgeon at uh, some big hospital on on Mars, and uh, yeah, he left that job and went out to the frontier to start working with the Red Cross. He's been helping people throughout the frontier war, and then I guess he disappeared or something. Mm. I don't know, but. Uh, I don't think, judging by what she's told me, and the elevator finally arrives as it mm -hmm. opens up. There's like a couple of people just chatting inside. He just finishes up his thought as he steps in. And he's like, I don't think Varela and him parted on very good terms. So I think that might be driving some of this and steps into the elevator with the rest of you. It doesn't matter. You're someone's kid too. And you, and, and you too, at some point, I think, doctor. <laughs> We yeah, all step I, in, I think, actually. Yeah, step in. I got parents, but uh, I ain't turned out the way they want it. <laughs> and me and my boy didn't part on the best of terms either, so I guess I, I can sympathize, but the mourning and the grief doesn't turn you into a monster unless you, unless you let it. But the desperation... You get that, though. No, I, I, I get it. I, I fell into it myself, and it was only by the grace of those around me that I didn't give in to it. I think that Vrela might be falling into some of the old habits that she learned with Wailing and Tiny, but... Baker scoffs and says, definitely. I'm definitely giving that corporate vibe from her. She was just a hard ass before, but this feels like we're dealing with executive. Dusting uh, off an old set of set of tools. Yeah. Well, the only thing that we can do is make sure that something like that can't survive in this environment. You've gotta we've gotta have Beacon stay true to its name, be a place of light so that darkness like this suffers in. I believe that at the core of the director's intentions. It's good there. We just gotta... We just gotta help guide it, is all. You hear the elevator go, Deck E, hab block. The door opens up and you see corridors and a lot of people milling about. Um, and this is where all of y'all's quarters are. Baker says, I'm headed down to the life support deck. I still got maintenance to do today. If y'all need anything, if you hear anything, you, you know, want to bitch and moan like me, please contact me because I'm open for it. Sounds like we'll have a lot of time for it in the coming days. So 
Uh, I'll save some for you. Just take care of yourself and you stay safe. He nods. He says, I'm staying here. You guys take care of yourselves. If I don't see you again, I'm sure I will before you leave, but whatever the hell that's going to be. <laughs> I, uh, I, I just want to kind of, I'm going to use some of this time that I have after I get done packing to just, I want to yeah. go, go over all the refugees one more time. I want to make sure that just in case. Mm-hmm. Everybody bleeds red. <laughs> no offense. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. If we're going to leave the station, Doc is like, I've got to be sure. <laughs> like, okay. Well, What's everyone what else doing? doing? Um, I, so Tig goes to pack. Tig already is very sparse as far as, like, shit she has here. Does not take long to pack. Um. And then I think under the guise of the same instinct, mm -hmm. but with a different outcome. Doc, when you come into medbay to check on your patients, Tig is asleep on one of the cots in the back corner. I think there is like, and she gets there, she does like a, a quick once over of like barely gets to the back of the room and realizes that like, one, she needs to lay down, and two, possibly laying down here will yield better resting results than attempting to sleep in her own quarters. And she goes, she sleeps. She goes to sleep in the med bay. The gentle, like the ambient hum of beacons, fusion reactors reverberate all the way through up at the tower and kind of create a soothing just general ambience of also just like a little bit of discomfort like mm -hmm. not being in her own quarters in a bed in a dark quiet room like just right. having a little bit of chatter a little bit of movement of just people around in a space where she's still in her mind she can trick herself into thinking she could be helpful in a moment's notice just she has to like construct a situation in which she will her her mind will rest mm. and that's what it takes so you see her sleep in the back, in the back of the med bay when you finally show up after packing. Doc's just gonna chuckle to himself. Go, finally, <laughs> <laughs> go, take a blanket and just kind of put it over. All right. You're pretty sure that if you started clapping next to Tig's ear, she wouldn't wake <laughs> up right now. I, I think, yeah, uh, he's just going to be packing a few things in the med kit, med lab uh, for this mission. He's just going to, like, use that. Just You can't hear me, so technically I'm talking to somebody, which is healthy. I don't think I could go through losing another crew member. He's just going to, like, let it all out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. about, about the time you kind of finish talking yourself through, uh, I mean, I would say, uh, lose a point of stress. Yay! As you, <laughs> as you kind of like stop trying to keep it in and start tapping it a little bit, let some of the pressure yeah. release. Um, 
as you finish and you're just kind of like rubbing your face and exhaling and just knowing you're about to go back out there, knowing what's happened and what's at risk, um, the med bay doors open and Taylor steps in. And you can tell as she steps in, she has probably spent the last 48 hours sobbing. And she looks like it. Um, uh, she steps in holding two thermoses and she spots you and goes, Hey, Taylor, I'm, I'm so sorry. I haven't been able to get to you. How no, it's okay. You? It's okay. Um, I just wanted to, I, um, I'm kind of picking up some of Isaac's habits and I notice when people aren't eating and she hands you the thermos. She's like, I saved you some soup. <laughs> so this is what it's like to be on the other side of that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Good eye, good eye. I haven't eaten. He's gonna immediately start to take to the to the soup. Yeah, you smell the ambiguous smell of soup um, <laughs> inside the thermos. Um, it's just it to you. Um, it might be. It just probably just. It probably just smells like uh, steamed warm water. Kind of. I just imagine like... that paste that they have in the Matrix. <laughs> the oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not that bad, thankfully. But uh, <laughs> the prefab meals that are uh, available to colonists and uh, stations like this actually make for passing meals. Um, they need morale, so they don't just feed you guys slop. But um, it isn't it isn't a five-star dining. But the soup, at least, the one thing that's great, that's great about the soup is uh, you can synthesize enough spices to mask some of the unfortunate flavors uh, that are still present in, in the textures you can't do anything about. But um, the flavors, yeah, you can make that actually taste like real soup. Um, so yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's something yeah, as you... He's getting down on it and just... Uh, uh, you might, uh, I, I have to ask a foolishly stupid question, but how are you, dear? Well, um... Not really doing that well, but I, I do know that, um, I, I know I'm just sort of, uh, easing myself into things, you know, and I am giving myself space to just, I'm just so exhausted from crying at this point, you know, I'm just so tired, so I can't really, I don't have anything left, <laughs> but, um, I'll hydrate and sleep and then cry some more and maybe at some point I'll stop. Um, he didn't want to tell you, but he and I were planning on going out on a date when, um, <laughs> things it's, settled it, in. It's, it's probably why he didn't want to tell me. I would have given him all manners of hell about it. He knew. <laughs> but I would have been happy. Me too. Still some in there. <laughs> um, it's anyway, I just wanted to thank you because you've been so kind to me. And um, as always, um, you know, from everything from saving my head from exploding after hypersleep to um, introducing me to O'Donnell. So I just wanted to come in here and thank you and make you eat some of this terrible soup. No thanks needed. I only treated you as you deserve. And don't you ever accept anything less than that. Is something going on? Because I saw Tig and, well, 
She glances over at Tig. Goes, that's new. Welcome, but new. Is something going on? Doc is going to put the suit down and close the door and take a seat. <laughs> door closes. And offer a seat to Taylor. She goes over to the seat and takes uh, she takes a seat and looks at you a little worried that you're having her sit down to tell her this. So um, she kind of just... It is a cold comfort, but we are going to get justice. Oh, Justice? What, what, happened to that? what happened to that boy wasn't right, and nobody gets to get away with doing a thing like that. You found him? You're going to go get him? We are going to try. Okay. She nods. Now, everything that I'm telling you here stays with you, Taylor. I trust okay. you. Okay. Okay. This is a joint operation, to be quite honest, with a number of factions that just don't seem to be capable of trusting each other. But I'm hoping that along the way, we will find the means to do so. She. Wow. Okay. As you're talking, she. You see, it, it sinks in on her that you're leaving to go after the guy who killed O'Donnell. And she rises from her chair and slowly walks over to you and just puts her head right into your chest. She just doesn't seem like she has too many words except for this motion where she just kind of leans against you. I don't think the Doc's shields are ready for that and he's actually just gonna kind of like sob into his shoulder and just go she does the same the two of I you would, hold each other yeah i wish i could do more for you but this is all i can do you can come back oh i'm gonna come back you ain't getting rid of me that easy you hold down the place while i'm while i'm gone you and mr terrific got a lot of patience you hear her voice crack as she says okay and she squeezes you. The two of you hold each other there in the quieting med bay. And as we pan back, we hear a gentle snore come from Tig. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about gentle. <laughs> <laughs> the honk me, 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 me coming from the corner of the <laughs> would probably elicit from Taylor just a Uh, Isaac, what are you up to? Um, I'm going to see, um, my technician before I leave, Kaya. Okay. When you arrive, Kaya immediately makes time for you, sets down what she's doing and takes you, uh, to the, to the back, uh, workshop area, which is right next to Med Bay. She goes, okay, take a seat. Hey, how are you? Oh, jittery. Um, I was here when everything went down. I was on the other side of the cargo bay. And um, I just sort of rattled, you know? I, mean, I didn't really even, you know, hear anything until it was all over. And then I heard the alarms going off. And anyway. That must have been scary. 
Yeah, I didn't know what was happening. Um, I, I don't think it's really all just sunk in just yet. But um, Dr. Khan says that's pretty normal and that, um, you know, talk to her if I need to talk to somebody. And I, I'll probably take her up on that at some point here. I just, there's so much work to do. And I can hear O'Donnell making fun of me for spending time thinking about him instead of working because he teased everybody about that. I mean, it it sounds like he was friendly with you. She shrugs, I guess. He was friendly with everybody. Yeah. He would be really obnoxious and um, do things just to piss off some of the loaders. Uh, something to do with a... I think there was some kind of bet going on. I haven't gotten the details on it, but it's like an inside thing, I guess. Anyway, O'Donnell used to... I, th- I, think, um, I think there's gambling happening. And I think O'Donnell was in on it. And uh, there was an incident just a, just just right after you guys got back, actually, in the last run y'all went on, mm-hmm. where um, he he I think I think he messed with one of the hydraulics on one of the loaders, so that uh, the left foot would drag a little bit. It was to humiliate. It's like part of a dare. It was to humiliate. Um, think he was trying to humiliate Hassan, which everyone kind of knew was gambling because Hassan could literally bench press O'Donnell. <laughs> and um, like anyway, Hassan time. got on the loader and the loader worked fine. So I think maybe O'Donnell used the wrong loader. <laughs> uh, flash back to LaRoche. <laughs> yeah, to this poor young kid that is like uh, trying to get this loader's leg to move as he's like moving the arm instead. LaRoche going like, they send me people who don't know what they're doing. I'll make a note to do a maintenance check. She nods. <laughs> Clean up McDonald's, O'Donnell's mess. Came with the territory. You see a diagnostic screen as she starts running uh, diagnostics on your, all your systems and making some minor adjustments. And she goes, oh, yeah, you were overdue for a little bit of maintenance, but this is good. Oh, you're looking good. Mm-hmm. Finally a week, so you're fine. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a goal to hit, but you're fine. You'll be fine. Are you okay? Um, she looks at you kind of concerned. I am, which I don't, which I think I am supposed to be, but it doesn't feel like a very good thing right now, because no one else is. I mean, you didn't know Donald that well. Maybe you just didn't form an attachment. I don't know. I mean, you seem to be concerned about everybody else around you. I mean, everybody knows synthetics are very, very emotionally intelligent and capable of feeling things, and sometimes it just registers differently, and that's totally fine. Everyone's experience is unique. You mourn O'Donnell in your own way. Okay. Um, what if I don't really feel like I am? I mean, and like I whole... feel like I'm fine and I'm thinking about other things and it's unfortunate, but... Okay, thank you. 
<laughs> is that coming from you? Yeah. Is that Dazzler that's just... No, Ferocious is trying to dig her way to the center of the earth I, through this I can pillow, hear it. And I was trying to be chill. I can hear and the like, frustrations of a like... pup deucer trying to make the perfect spot next to Pippa. The perfect <laughs> spot. I thought we were like getting some next... DJ action. I'm like, I'll hear it. halfway across the room. The other one is Amazing. right here. But that one, no. If, if you dig a thousand times, then the pillow which cannot be dug through you're not gonna get through there kid then it works yeah no i get that i was literally about to go into chat and being like i can hear someone digging yeah I remember, I was <laughs> my my loveliest pup producer would you mind being a professional for a moment um, <laughs> okay okay um, yeah so um in the midst of this uh emotional moment yes quite yeah, yeah, Taylor. Lie down. Taylor nods as she seems to understand. Sorry, sorry, not Taylor. Um, yeah, Kaya. Yeah. Kaya nods as she seems to understand what you're saying. And, and are you worried about it or something, or do you feel like it's wrong that you don't feel a certain way? It feels unhelpful. Like wearing clothes that don't match the event invitation. Just to make sure, because even though the procedure went fine, it was basically brain surgery <laughs> and we didn't really do follow-ups. So just to make sure, I'm just going to run full diagnostics to make sure you're feeling okay. But Of course. Yeah. She starts running it and she says, you know, um, I had an uncle that I knew growing up and when he passed away, I don't remember being all that sad, and I felt like I should have been. I walked around pretending I was sad. She types it a couple more, starts scanning. She goes, but I, I just wasn't. I don't know. With me, it felt like... I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer, Isaac. Sometimes... I don't know. It does help to know that it is not a synth thing. No, it's not a synth thing. Look, she swivels the screen to face you, and you see on the flickering lines of the screen, a very retro-looking screen, all systems are looking quite fine. She goes, yeah, you're, you're doing great. Um, is it? How could I find out if someone were modified the way I had been? Are you talking about Maitland? He was a custom order, and he went to this archive, and then he killed a bunch of people. And then he killed a bunch more people, but that means that the first place he went to, Jesus. he was already violent. And so I don't know if he came like that or or if it were at the archive, but... Wow. That's... There hasn't... It's been a... I can't remember the last time there was a documented case of 
a synthetic life form attacking a biological life form. Um, it's a pattern. That's that's not you know maintenance. I point back at the screen. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it could be uh, that he may have been a he may have been an older model, perhaps. I mean, behavioral inhibitor chips, which the UN the UN pushed on the whole market, was all part of a lot of abuse on the part of people who were operating with synthetic humans, um, people. And uh, I know that there are some corporations that would reuse, um, sort of upgrade or update older synthetic models because it was cheaper and they would use them over. But I don't know if I've never heard of any synthetic removing their own behavioral chip. And I don't know who would be able to do that at wherever this person was working. I would need more information, but I could, if you want, I could start speaking around. Um, could you help me look up this archive? Sure. She unplugs you, wraps up the wire, sets it down, um, moves over to the computer and says, Mother, um, we need access. Uh, can you show us at least any information you have on Maitland, the guy who unauthorized access airlock thing? You know what I'm talking about, right? Mother says, affirmative. And you just see data start coming up. And the picture of Maitland again. It's a very neutral picture. Um, you see the Three Worlds Empire triangle, the sphere, the, uh, that pyramid-looking thing that immediately invokes the image of where that patch had been torn off of his arm. Um, and you see his model number, and she just nods while she's looking at it and goes, I don't know what to do from here. It's not giving a lot of information, just that you're right, it looks like he's wanted for murder which is shocking and shocking. I can't remember the last time I heard about something like that happening. I mean, there was the attack that Joe, but Joe was terribly under maintenance and was not actually trying to kill anybody. Joe just thought people were in need of repair. <laughs> was trying to hit them with a wrench. Um, it was correct diagnosis, but incorrect treatment. And again, the fault is on us. So when I look at this, I, I got to wonder, who is that fault? I mean, there comes a point where you are responsible for your actions. Maitland made a choice. I'm just wondering, I'm just as confused as you are, Isaac. She shrugs. What kind of places study xenoethnomusicology? Oh, geez. I don't know. I don't know that many aliens that sing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there there have been like some biological life forms that have been discovered on planets, some predatorial and some non that have song, but no lyrics or anything. Just like, and you know, the way birds trip back on Earth. It's sort of the same thing. She shrugs. I don't, I don't know. I could 
I could look into this and maybe get back to you tomorrow. Or if you want to... I'm off duty. I'm off shift in about an hour and a half. You want to come back and you and I can just have a study session or something and try to uncover this. I'd like that. Thank you. I don't know when I'm leaving, so... Are you oh, going? I'm leaving. You're... Oh, okay. Where Are you guys going out on the Ilios again? I don't know. No one explained which ship we'd be leaving on, but I don't think it's that one because I'm not really good enough to pilot it yet. That would be a lot of pressure. Hmm. Do you like piloting? Um, I think I like how O'Donnell made me feel about it. And when I said I was taking his job, it was just a joke. I don't want it to be for real. Well, maybe you can just call yourself co-pilot still. Leave a seat open for him. For someone who specialized in machines, you're very good with people. I think machines can teach us about people. I try. She nods. Yeah. Can I get you something from the cafeteria for, oh God, uh, no, for the end you. of the shift? No, thank you. I got. I forgot to eat last night, so I ate extra much this morning. Is that a word? Two words. I ate extra much this morning for breakfast. Anyway, one slice of cornbread is fine. Two, stomach rebels. What is the thing with the cornbread? Don't even get me started. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave then. Okay. Um, see you in a little while. <laughs> I head up. You get about four steps out when you hear, Crew of the Ilios, please report to Varela's office immediately. Director, Re Director Varela is summoning you. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> Just as gentle as can. Just go like... Rock take a little bit like, hey, mm. uh, uh, yeah. What day is it? It's been all of maybe three hours, we'll say, <laughs> since the since the meeting. I get plenty of sleep. It's late in the evening now. It's probably close to ten thirty p.m. station time. Come on, we gotta go get lied to. <laughs> Ooh, my favorite activity. And she kind of reaches under the cot and pulls out her bag. Um, Martha. And Martha appears her. in the doorway and nods to you. She's got her duffel. Mm -hmm. Alright, soldiers, lead the way. Do you All think right. I can fight them on the uniform? They're really uncomfortable. And she kind of <laughs> walks out. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'd defend you, but you didn't sleep when I recommended it, so you just gonna have to deal with this. I did go to sleep. <laughs> I did go to sleep. Sleep didn't come to me. So I, 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 will, I will die on that hill. I recall somebody was talking about running laps around the station. And then I'd do it again. And she <laughs> gets Yeah, because that's what soldiers do. <laughs> just gets... She tries, she presses the close elevator button before you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a strange social energy in this elevator. <laughs> hey, I just got re-enlisted. Cut me some slack. <laughs> Seriously. Um, uh, yeah. 
All right. When you all reach Varela's office, Captain Levine is there again with his lieutenant. Baker is there. And even the marshal is there. Varela is standing defiantly in front of the captain. And the captain looks like you two, you looks like you've all walked in on an argument. Good. And Varela is standing her ground. The captain walk in just in time to hear the captain say, fine, we'll play it your way. We depart in 30 minutes. But once you give us that location, we're going to have this conversation again. She goes, I understand. All right, upload it. And then when we arrive at the location, you'll give me the rest of the information. Fine. All right, everyone. Coral Sea's heading out. We have a ping. Maitland left FTL jump space about 20 minutes ago. Of course, with the time dilation, we've got a lot of catching up to do. He's got a big head start on us. We're heading to a system that is currently unsurveyed. It is called Mike's Star. Some rich asshole probably named it after himself. We'll find out what we're getting into when we get there, apparently. And she looks over, he looks over at Varela and says, everyone report down to the dock, say your goodbyes. And he storms past you all, very irritated. Not with you, clearly with Varela. Varela herself reaches down and picks up a duffel bag and slings it over her shoulder. She says, let's go. All right, well, let's go to Mike's star. <laughs> Light the way. She mutters, it's Micah's star, but I didn't want to correct oh. him. He was already in a bad mood. <laughs> probably, probably for the best. See, look at that. We're all giving ground to each other. We'll be best any... friends by the end of this. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to close the elevator Hold on you head. again, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Closes again. God damn it, <laughs> And as I set up earlier, it takes about 15 minutes for the elevator. <laughs> like, sorry, fool. Um, okay. Do y'all have anything you would like to do before departing Beacon Station? Uh, So... I have left. <laughs> Sam's got something. <laughs> Go ahead. What's up? Uh, I'm, I'm just leaving a note for Taylor. Okay. Just like, just some instructions to help her take care of everybody at the station and okay. uh, and the gold watch that he takes with them everywhere is left in that note as well. Okay. Uh, since Tig didn't do it earlier, she always sends Hugo an update on what she's doing when she can. And she... Mm. <sighs> Doesn't mention that she's been re-enlisted, um, because I think he would throw a fit, uh, actually, um, and so she just says that they're headed out again, um, and no timeline. Take care of yourself. You? Love to. Okay. That gets sent. How about you, Isaac? I I send a message about the loader. If I didn't do that, I would I would okay. feel so bad. Okay. You make sure um, to, to actually, post can that I message. Figure out based on having observed it and heard what O'Donnell did, like diagnose it in my message so that the poor 
kid I mean, we saw. If I remember correctly, to to fix it. if I remember correctly, Isaac's heavy machinery skill is quite impressive. That's kind of what you do, isn't it? It is my thickest macro, so yes. Yeah. So I don't have any problem with you having just looked at the thing and being like, oh, I know what's up with that. And now having an understanding of where it came from. And it's because before you were being told it was just an experience, which is feasible because right. loaders are delicate machines that require a lot of finesse in order to use them properly. Um, yes, but I don't know how one accidentally makes it look like that dance that O'Donnell said was thriller. <laughs> and that was kind of how it was walking. Right. Okay. Yeah, you leave the message. Okay, that poor kid. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on the receiving end of getting yelled at by LaRoche. Yeah, LaRoche is not exactly the be best free. person to be on the receiving end for, yeah. Um, you guys entering into the Coral Sea. For some of you, this is your first time aboard a colonial marine frigate. This is a ship of war. And when you step on board, you guys enter into a completely different environment than what you saw in the Ilios. It is not quite as... Um, it is not quite like there's no hexagonal walkways. Everything is very orderly. Uh, the the corridors are very rigid, uh, squared corridors. You can see there's a lot of uh, equipment here that is far more advanced than what you saw on the Ilios, to be expected. Uh, the mother system that is on board uh, projects holographic displays and talks. There's also holographic controls that are available to people who are using. Uh, piloting stations and whatnot. When you all board up the ship, a few of the Marines welcome you all on board. Lieutenant moves over to you, Tig, and she leans over and whispers in your ear and she goes, don't worry, I'm not going to let them put you into some kind of bullshit situation. Captain's just looking Appreciate out to it. make sure that everybody, there's no wild cards on board and the captain's just pulling rank, giving you shit. He's angry because he doesn't believe civvies belong here. I will not be wearing the uniform. He can fight me on that. Good luck. She just says that. Um, you all get the location of Micah's star, which is actually uh, not more than about a three-week journey from where you are right now. So it will require some hypersleep, but a short stint. Short stint in hypersleep. Oh, my favorite. All right. This is mm -hmm. great. Yep. Yep. Um, but they already hey, have want... a synth on board. Yes, they do. I won't be alone. Yeah, nope. you get a buddy. Yep, they have. They do. They do indeed have a synth on board. I mean, they'd have to have because because mm -hmm. you know they go all over space and stuff. Yep. So his name is Ben. Mm -hmm. Um, when you all step on board, you see Ben is in a flight suit with the Colonial Marines patch on him looks basically he's dressed up like bishop when you guys walk on board he stands at attention and, and as everybody goes oh yes that's right i heard we were going to be having uh, guests welcome aboard the coral sea if there's anything i can do please let me know isaac hi. ben he shakes your hand and he reaches out to shake your hand hi ben, I'm isaac pleasure to meet you isaac i haven't met an isaac before it's i haven't ocean. met a ben no i've met two bens um but None of them were you. Hmm. And also none of them were you. Um, the lieutenant moves past him and taps him on the shoulder and teasingly says, all right, all right, Ben, you can flirt later. Let's get it going. And Ben says, yes, ma'am. Well, welcome aboard. And he nods to everybody else and says, if you need help, do let me know and I can show you to your hypersleep chambers. Isaac, will you be staying awake with me? Yes. I look forward to it. 
I don't have many people to talk to often during hypersleep travel. I brought books. Really? Yeah. The two of you walk down towards uh, the control rooms. Each of you find yourselves among two fire teams of Colonial Marines stationed here. Um, and oh boy, Tig, you are right back where you were. The banter, the horseplay, some shit that gets said that would get you fired in a, in a reputable workplace. Um, the, the, all kinds of shit. Like, mm -hmm. uh, every, the, the testosterone is coming from everyone <laughs> on this ship. And oh. it is, uh, it is, it is just a maelstrom of professionalism, uh, badass. <laughs> yeah. And professional and yeah. And mockery. Like yes. it's just nonstop. Um, but yeah, one by one, you guys find yourselves getting into your hyper sleep chambers that have been stations for guests. Uh, the captain slides into the chamber too. Uh, to make a long story short, the Coral Sea departs from Beacon Station. One by one, you all lay down for rest, knowing that when you wake up again, you're going to be arriving at your destination and more answers are waiting for you. During your time in FTL, as the Coral Sea initiates its jump, Isaac, you find yourself having some pretty interesting conversation with Ben. Ben is, um, Ben is uh, slightly older than you. He's been he's been doing this for about seven years. He's been around. He's, he's been around, um, but um, he is an apt student and is asking you all sorts of questions about books that you've read, and spends a lot of time uh, reading some of the books that you offer. And then uh, the two of you have some pretty interesting discussions as he asks more and more questions. But in, in short, Isaac, it's actually quite a pleasant journey. You May I fail at an observation check? Sure, go ahead. I fail. I don't okay. know whether he's flirting with me. <laughs> yeah, hard to tell. <laughs> but, but, so um, the entire trip, I'm just like, is he? But he likes you, and ben definitely, you and Ben basically have yourselves a book club for the next three weeks. Huh, um, I've never been in a space book club before. What a what a concept! Yeah, it's sort of a new it's sort of a new thing. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a is... picture of Ben. Let's see if I can pull it. I'll I'll send it to you. Um, how long is this hypersleep? It's three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Yeah. I just I just so, want you, I just want y'all to know that while the Marines were marining, y'all just saw the doctor like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the swears and the yeah, yeah. You, you you hear you hear one of the marines say something incredibly inappropriate, which elicits a lot of laughter, and then the marine that was said to says something back that doubles down and is just oh. worse. Like uh, it's it, everyone seems to be in on it. Uh, the only person that's unfazed is Ben, who just kind of lets it roll. He just he's focused on his work, doesn't care. Uh, Captain every now and then will tell somebody to watch their mouth and people people treat the captain with a lot of deference, but the go-to person is the lieutenant. Lieutenant Batista apparently is the leader of both fire teams and coordinates between them. And everybody kind of treats her like she she is the she she is the XO basically. What she says goes, and uh she stands between the captain and the rest of the fire teams so they don't have to deal with him. <laughs> um, so I think I think if it's very kind of clear once they're there and like settled in if once tig is slightly less ruffled that if she had more energy if she was more like mm -hmm. not dealing with 
uh, grief and injury and lack of sleep and irritation of all of this that, like, she would maybe be a little bit more involved in this. Like, she definitely comes in. There is, like, a, right. a, an ease with which she falls into this. She yeah. does not engage because she is just, she's a little, she's a little pissed right now still about stuff. But there is, like, a, like a visible, like, oh, I get, like, I know this. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> these, these, I don't know any of these people personally, but I know them. Like, <laughs> it makes sense. Yes. Uh, it, it's, it's just, a, they're speaking a language you absolutely get. Yeah. And you remember what it was like being in a unit of people who risk their fucking lives to help people out on the frontier mm-hmm. and fight the good fight. Mm-hmm. And who sometimes uh, their professionalism keeps their bizarre sexual tensions in check so that when they're not firing <laughs> guns, they're just insulting the shit out of each other. Yeah. Um, it's just another day in the core for you. Um, everyone is pretty, everyone is pretty, uh, everyone is very welcoming to you guys though. So. Um, everyone treats you guys with a lot of respect and professionalism. No one gives you any rough times. The the insults are thrown at each other and not you guys. Everybody, every civilian who stepped on board is like every now and then one of them will stop and be like, you good there? You got everything you need? Do you take your hydro pills to make sure you don't dehydrate while you're in the, in the sleep? All right, cool. You're good to go. If you throw up when you wake up, don't worry about it. The grading in the hypersleep chamber is designed specifically with that in mind. And one of us has got to clean it. It's great. Good times. I mean, if anything, I wish they would uh, warn me about all the salty language I have. (laughs) As the dad of the entire party is just like, come on. Um, The three weeks in hypersleep go by very quickly. Mother wakes everyone up as soon as you arrive at Micah's star. The main sequence yellow star with the entire system is almost filled with gas giants. It looks like most of the habitable place, according to Mother, are on the moons. This place is uncharted. So no one knows what they're going into or what's here. But it has not been colonized, and there is no company presence out here. So that much Mother tells everybody as soon as you all jump in. You go through the normal rituals of waking up and showering, and trying to wipe the fog out of your head. Three weeks in hypersleep is a little bit longer than the Elios crew typically spends in hypersleep. So there's a lot of grogginess. You'll note, though, that the food on board the Coral Sea is actually a step up from what you were eating on Beacon. Not surprising. Beacon was getting a lot of hand-me-down prefab meals from colonies that didn't get off the ground. Um, The Coral Sea has some of the stuff that it just picked up from its last stop. However, the cornbread is still the same. Uh, What's up, Sam? Isaac is very, very slightly pushy uh, that they take care of uh, their crew when they wake up because they have their little crew checklist of what <laughs> everybody likes when they wake up, who likes hot towels, who needs right. slippers, floor is cold, and um, perhaps the the only sort of show of like... <clears throat> I, I actually... Tig would go find Isaac, actually, uh, after waking up and getting up once there's like a moment of downtime uh isaac you you find you find isaac is doing what isaac does making sure everyone including the marines who woke up out of hypersleep is feeling okay you find isaac near the armory where you see this big fuck off marine just built like (laughs) huge muscle like marine bound marine just sitting there with a smart gun um (laughs) You see uh, on on the plate, it just says uh, Private Sig Galloway. 
stitched across the plate and there's this huge fucking smart gun that's attached to their hip just kind of and they have a towel on their head <laughs> and sig just goes yeah thanks isaac i appreciate that of course deep you he nods sigurd nods and about that moment you notice walking up to you is tig hi tig hey how was the downtime you didn't get any new books this time did you I didn't have time. I was I hoping for some. Rereads? Uh, or you, I, you probably read all of them last time, huh? Multiple times, yes. Yeah. But I had someone to talk about them with. That's good. That's right, Ben. Ben. ben they have, good time? Good time with Ben? Nice? Some, nice to you? Some decent insights. I'll take it. Good reader. Good. Um, hey, qu uh, quick question. I know you haven't ever done, uh, like the hypersleep thing before, so I don't actually know if you'll be able to help me, but this is my first time being under, well, being partially synthetic-ish, mm -hmm. and it's uh, really stiff, and I am worried that I don't, I don't know if you have, can you look at it? And like, she pulls up her elbow. <laughs> did it like, did I sit it with it wrong? I, I, they always tell me not to, I always cross my arms over my, when I go to sleep and it's more comfortable, but I don't know if I did, if it was sitting like that for too long. Um, okay. Yes. She's so groggy. Like, she's so groggy. She's doing her thing where she pushes through the like morning, like, uh, 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 of, of like being groggy after being hypersleep, but she's like trying so hard to tell you that she's, uh, help. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, I need you to... Hold your arm uh, in your hand like that, and I will be back in two minutes. The holding part is a hundred percent to give you a thing to do, yeah, yeah, so that you will stay put. Um, and Tig, it doesn't take you more than about twenty seconds as a combat medic to know exactly what they just did to you as you're holding your arm. Game you've, don't recognize the game. You've used this tactic so many times to take uh, wounded soldiers' minds off of the fact that you were putting them back together again. I she just, back she up does... with uh, lube and uh, act, uh, um, let's see, uh, a hot water bottle. Okay. She can so diagnose first... the, the fleshy bits, but she's still, you know, she's got mm -hmm. some experience, but only triage and like emergency care. She doesn't know the mm -hmm. intricacies mm -hmm. of having having it. Uh, so it's always good to occasionally relive. You currently have external access, so that's very nice. You have special opportunities you won't otherwise have. And then from there, remember we have colloidal fluids going through these, and so those might have stayed static. So that's why we're going to warm it up to get things moving and get uh, things back up uh, into body temperature and all of that. Okay. Your own body heat should typically maintain it, but I think it's an artifact of a hypersleep uh, with the metabolic suppression temperature, all that stuff. So I just, you know, had it more time unconscious than conscious at this point, so I just wanted to. Thanks. And she will take the your their things and we'll kind of like sit down if there's like a bench nearby in, in this area and we'll kind of like move over to the bench you sit down upon it of course you're near the armory so you're seeing all of the familiar weapons going way armory. back into a corridor <laughs> the armory. Lit up and ambient glowing a few moments later though you all hear on the horn the kind of the intercom going off and you hear the lieutenant's voice going crew of the ilios please report to the cargo deck one area immediately 
So she'll finish up and kind of hold the hold the hot compress to it while we move through. I'm, I'm gonna take my chili back and, and go where I'm told. <laughs> you see, uh, as y'all are leaving, Sig just kind of laughing because cargo deck. Sure, whatever, LT. <laughs> what is it really? Flight deck. Probably called it a cargo deck because y'all are from, you know, cargo hauler station. Lieutenant likes y'all. Makes you feel at home. Okay. Oh. I guess when I get sworn at, I will really feel like I'm at home. Fuck yeah, you will. I'm, I mean, I could personally do without that myself. <laughs> <laughs> um... When you guys all arrive down, you have to ask directions, and eventually you find yourselves down on the flight deck. The flight deck itself does resemble, in fact, a cargo deck, but it's significantly different in that you see all around you are all of the crates and munitions and whatnot that are loaded onto what you can see is two dropships. There's also a bunch of tanks. Oh, man, Tig, you know all of these things. You see the APC carrier. You see all of the Colonial Marines. This is... Two fire teams, but with enough firepower to wage a full-scale battle if they need to. Not to mention that the Coral Sea is a Colonial Marines frigate, which means it comes equipped with all the bells and whistles, including nuclear missiles if it needs them. It has everything. This is a fully armed and operational battle system. All the bells so, and missiles. Yeah. Um, God damn it. <laughs> when you assemble, though, on this flight deck, you see that it's not... It's not crowded with people at all. In fact, y'all are the only ones here, along with Varela, the captain, and the lieutenant. And everyone starts gathering around, and you can see Varela's wringing her hands because the moment has arrived. Um, everyone kind of settles in, and the captain goes, all right, everybody, calm down. We knew this moment was coming, and I've been waiting eagerly for it. Been a, almost a month since our conversation on Beacon, so now we're going to finally get the finale we've been looking for. Director Varela, would you please kindly tell us what the fuck are we doing out here, ma'am? <laughs> Varela, she looks around at everybody like she's taking one last look at all of you. Like she's observing you, looking at her this way for the last time before she tells you. She takes a deep breath. I, son, name is Alvin. He's a doctor. He was working for the Red Cross during the colony wars. And just before the frontier war erupted, he was captured by the UPP. Only it wasn't the UPP. It turned out to be what you have called Operation Dark Star. When they found out that he was the son of a Weyland Yutani executive, Dark Star played its hand. I don't need to go into too many details about that. Suffice to say that this is how it ended. I contracted a black ops team to rescue him. After I discovered his location. And they succeeded. 
My son is on board the Rasmussen. He is currently in cryosleep. He was experimented upon during his time in the Dark Star facility that he was rescued from. And he has been infected with the xenomorph organism. Queen. There is a queen xenomorph embryo in his chest. And I have been keeping him in stasis. Looking for a way to save him. Waylon Yutani knew that I had it, and I was using it as leverage. They would help me. I don't know who Maitland is or how he knows. That's it. There's a silence that falls over everyone. It's heavy. You can see the lieutenant shaking his head. She just shakes her head in disbelief. Captain turns and looks at her and says, Camilla Varela, under the authority of the Colonial Protection Act, I hereby place you under arrest for the trafficking of a dangerous xenomorph organism. Lieutenant, take her to the brig. Yes, sir. Rella looks at all of you one more time as she is led out of the room. And she mouths to you, Isaac, and you, Albright, and you, Tig, and Martha, silently. Save him. And that is where we are stopping tonight. I knew he was on the ship. I had a thought. I had an inkling. I knew he was on there. I just didn't know what capacity. <gasps> oh no, we're going to get into all of my medical questions about this because it's <laughs> plot relevant. Crap. I'm sorry in advance for what I am. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I also apologize because Dr. Albright so I'm like, I can, I can see. <laughs> of course you can. Holy moly. We'll talk. <laughs> Cult member of the children of the two divines has stolen a queen embryo inside the chest of the director's son and is here in the system for some purpose. Join us next Monday night Ooh. as we continue the story of the crew of the Ilios on the station Beacon. Until then, my friends, sleep well. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you want to learn more about our shows, make sure to join us on Discord and follow us on social media. And always remember, you're amazing, and thank you for helping.